1: There's a hallelujah in this house, Woo! man. Oh, the presence of the Lord. Thank you. Praise team. Thank you for those who have the anointing, the gift and the ability to lead us into the presence of God. Now, before I speak today, I want you to hear a testimony and I want to introduce to you uh, a man that I've known for many, many years since I was a teenager. And this will be the most unusual introduction I've ever given because this man was a very, very, very bad influence on me when I was a teenager. You know that person that you don't think there's any way they could ever get saved? He's one of them. He's one of them. But guess what? God is able. God is able. I'd like you to listen to a beautiful testimony by an old friend, by the way, about 40 years ago, he gave his heart to Jesus and, and the fellowship we have now is so, so very special. This is Steve Rogers from Tennessee, a pastor up there. I don't even know the name of the church, but anyway, come and share with us, brother, share your testimony.
2: Thank you, pastor Henry. Hallelujah. Uh, as Pastor Henry said, I came to Waucala County probably fifty six years ago. Came home from Troy with uh John David Jones. He we weren't he was my first friend at Troy. And uh when he said bad, 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 I'm probably I, I want to use crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh in fact, I think they decided yesterday, JD and Pastor Henry, that uh they have a brother named Bernard who was crazy and they decided just that I was crazier than him. So any of y'all that know Bernard probably know that God is able to reach down to the deepest place and, and pull you right out. But um, as I was sharing my testimony with Pastor Henry the other day, and then he asked me to share it here. But, you know, as I prayed this morning, there's something I'd like to say first. And and I, I I'd want to be under authority uh, of of the angel of the house, but I really felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to say, Yesterday, we met right here for prayer, and we had communion, and uh, we walked around this property, and he told me and shared some things that were going on and what the vision was, and I want to tell you, God's doing something special here. This is not preacher talk. I'm not giving you preacher talk where you come up, and you know, you got to stroke the guy that introduced you, you know. That drives me crazy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, I saw it happen between two guys I know didn't even like each other, but that's God's doing something special here. As we walked around these grounds, and Pastor Henry shared the vision for this church, he's doing something really special here. And I know that couple uh, that came up here, the Spirit of the Lord is here. God's given Pastor Henry a vision. And what I believe, I sensed in my spirit as we walked around yesterday, as I prayed this morning, uh, there's something really special. I don't want to use all kinds of preacher words. But something really special coming for River of Life Church and its influence and impact on this area and this community, winning souls and making disciples and not just being another church on the corner. And, and as I say that, the Bible says give honor where honor is due. And I'd just like to ask you guys to stand up and give honor to that man who has the vision. Put your hands together, give a shout. Give a shout. Come on. Y'all know how to shout. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's enough. Sit down. Uh, I know as much as y'all love football around here, I know y'all know how to shout. Well, let me get to it because Pastor Henry only gave me five minutes, but no, he didn't. Um, I was crazy, literally. I mean, right on the verge of being the craziest person in the whole wide world. I thought I had a death wish for a while. In fact, a lot of people thought I had a death wish. But uh, I grew up in a home with, uh, of alcoholics. My parents were alcoholics. Uh, I was sexually molested at five years old uh, by a babysitter, a male babysitter. And uh, and then my mother was uh, a, a very uh, abusive, verbally abusive uh, alcoholic. So I moved into my high school years. I got into alcohol very heavily and to the point where... Uh, the athletic director called me at one time, and said if you don't quit getting drunk, getting in fights, and we'll kick you out of athletics. Well, I was a state champion in wrestling, and yes, you know, so I knew he wasn't going to do that, so I kept drinking. I got into college and uh, met JD, and JD used to drive me around, let me drink beer. Said he took me to church one time. I don't remember it. I probably wasn't in condition to remember it. I kept drinking, and it got heavily and heavy, and more heavy and heavily, and and even after I graduated from college. If you want to hear any stories about college, you'll have to you have to ask J.D. Um, I don't know. The, hopefully, he won't share them all. But uh, there were some very interesting stories of the craziness. But I got out of college and uh, started teaching and coaching, and still and and really became uh, uh, more heavily addicted to alcohol. And in about 1977, 76, 77, coaching in Montgomery, I. Uh, got him. Got started doing anabolic steroids as well. I was coaching weightlifting, and and I was already crazy. Well, when you mix out al- alcohol and anabolic steroids, I got crazier than the crazy. I was already crazy. So, uh, in December of, of 1977, my wife uh, went to a an Assembly of God church uh, in in Montgomery, Alabama, and got saved, and so that kind of pushed me even further out the door because. When she came home was telling me about getting saved in this charismatic church, which I'd never been in a church. I'd never seen a Bible, but I heard about them charismatics, (laughs) kind of like this place. And I said, I said, all right, Christmas, I'm going to buy you elbow pads and knee pads where you can roll around the aisle wrestling fanatics because religion is for weak people. Anybody ever read, read the book, hung by the tongue. I just hung myself by my tongue, I think. But so she goes to the pastor and tells the pastor, I need a new man. Well. He knew what a new man was, so he started praying for me, uh, blessed man of God. And uh, But I went ahead and went off the rails. I think sometimes you have to go completely off the rails, and I think they're saying AA hit the bottom. I went, I went crazy and went down to South Florida and got involved in the import business, uh, square grouper, uh, they were called. Um, we were bringing these square grouper in with boats. And I wasn't bringing them, I was, I was unloading them off of freighters, big square group of about 50, 60 pounds. And um, and I told the guy, I said, hey, this is kind of slow. I'd been in the Air Force 72, I said, listen, why don't, why, don't, uh, why don't I buy an airplane and speed this process up? Yeah, okay, great. So I go out to Denver, Colorado, and I pick up this twin-engine Convair 440 airplane and fly it back to Fort Myers, Florida, and took all the seats out and Said, hey, I'm fixing to head down to Barranquilla, Columbia, and pick up some Square Grouper and bring it back to Labelle, Florida, and we will unload unload it. Well, when you get to look back and you see and you understand how unbelievably sovereign and loving and graceful God is, then you begin to see His hand involved in a whole lot of this stuff going on. Of course, at the time, I didn't see anything, well, most of the time. And, uh, so I flew this airplane back to uh Fort uh Fort Myers, Florida, and uh took the seats out and said, hey, we're gonna fly down to Columbia. Well, I didn't have a life jacket, I didn't take a life preserver. I was a little bit off, about half a bubble past crazy. Took off one morning and and uh and headed to Barranquilla, Columbia at the time at the time, well I'm still cheap, pretty cheap anyway. Uh they were coming out with digital instruments and I chose not to buy a digital ADF. Uh, for some of y'all that may have flying experience, it's an automatic direction finder, and stayed with a cheap cheap little uh, coffee grinder thing. We, t- we took off, had a guy with me. We got around Cuba, and the ADF went out, and I said, oh, this is not good. Uh, automatic direction finder. I didn't look at the winds or anything. I just took off to go. And after two or three more hours, uh, not knowing where we were, uh, I leaned over to the guy next to him, and I said, uh, how long can you tread water? Because... Uh, I hope a long time because we're fixing to be in trouble but again looking back you see the hand of god involved well not only did not only was i running low on fuel my starboard engine the one on the right began to have an oil consumption problem the one on the left began to have a fuel consumption problem the cross feed wouldn't work and i said we're in real trouble and then boom there's land I was, oh, it's green well it was the jungle <laughs> the jungle's green so when I get up there and I, I get close enough, I see there's like this little place where a river comes out of the mountains and the jungle, and there's this flat place. Well, it looked like a flat, green pasture, when in reality it was water and plants and water and plants. Well, before I figured that out, I'd already put the gear down. And uh, when I came in, and, and uh, kind of had a, a really fast stop um, and I jumped up and ran out the back and jumped in jumped in the swamp. And and when I did, I thought it was quicksand. I told don't jump. You know, this is quicksand. I crawled back in the airplane and trying to hurry here, trying to think what parts to bring in that's going to give somebody hope and help you understand that there's a God that can save anybody and will find you anywhere. You can try to hide in the jungle in Columbia, but I want to tell you Jesus Christ will find you in the jungle in Columbia, I want to tell you. Uh, so the guys had given me five Uzis to take down to these friends in Barranquilla, Colombia, and I'm, I'm so dumb, I didn't know. I said, yeah, okay, I'll take them down there. Well, by the time uh, I'm sitting there waiting for we saw an airplane fly over and wiggle its wings, so we knew that somebody at least knew we were there. And I said, but I better get rid of these machine guns. So well, I threw four of them in the, I think we had six of them, five of them in the hole, and I got one out, <laughs> but I torn the box. Well, they came the next day and got us and took us out, and uh got us to a military installation They went back to the airplane. And when they went back to the airplane, they found a piece of the box that had the machine guns on us and a picture of it and came back and and things got very unpleasant for a little bit of time. Uh, They didn't care about the square grouper. They got really, really aggravated over guns. Well, they kept going back and they could never find him. And I found out later that the natives that had picked us up and taken us back to a little village, uh, we were almost, almost in Panama. Took us back to this little village and uh, they had gone that night and stripped everything off the airplane and took all those guns because if they found the guns I I might still be there Uh, but God sovereignly had those people go uh, get those guns so they took finally got us to a military installation where I could use have find a phone and I called back called my wife in Montgomery and I said hey uh, these were my exact words. Ooh. You know that Jesus you've been telling me about? I met him laying on the belly of the airplane that night. I had a face to face encounter with Jesus Christ. I'd never been in church, never held about. Well, JD said I was in church one time, but I didn't remember it. Uh, he still told me I'd been in church. I still can't remember it. But I had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ, and I got radically saved. As I told Kyle this morning, as I've looked back on it now over 44 years, is there any other kind of saved? I didn't hear the Roman road. I didn't know the four spiritual laws. I just met Jesus, and it totally, radically changed my life. And I called my wife, and I said, I met that Jesus you've been telling me about. Please bring me a Bible. She flew down, brought me a Bible. I opened that Bible up and I started reading Matthew and when I got, got to Mark I thought they glued it together wrong because it said the same thing. I said they glued this thing together wrong. I didn't know anything, but I knew I met Jesus. And my life was totally and radically changed. I flew back, met my family in Miami, went to Montgomery, went in the Bell Road Assembly of God, two thousand people, never been in church, and I walked in, well, maybe JD. I walked in the back, two thousand people. Look like this place. Look like him. Woo. Why are they having fun? Come on. Yeah. Why are they so excited? Why are they having fun? Don't they know this is church? Because my entire paradigm was praise God from her. You know, I thought that was church. Oh, my. But I knew that day something was going to happen, and again, I think I'd read Matthew and maybe Mark, but I know nothing. But I knew that day was a day of divine appointment, and uh, they had little steps going up the altar, and I was in the back. Bought me a pair of slacks and a shirt, and he gave an altar call. I didn't know what that was, but I knew I was supposed to walk down front, and I walked down. I fell on that, <laughs> fell on that altar. He put his hand on my head, and I felt like electricity was going through my body. <laughs> And I said, praise God, I am born again. Hallelujah. <laughs> 44 years ago, last April, four years later, I was in full-time ministry at Broadway Church of God. And I've had the honor of, of serving the Lord in full-time ministry now since 1982. I'm in a church in Kodak, uh, well, Sevierville, Tennessee, at Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, that area. And, and uh, I just want to tell you that God will find you wherever you are. And I want to encourage you to know, not only know that you know Jesus, but make sure he knows you. And if there's not a passion, I'm I'm middle-aged now because Genesis 6-3 says we have 120 years, so I'm just a little past middle age. I'm just as excited about Jesus today as I was 44 years ago when I met him in the jungle in Columbia. Don't ever let that fire and that passion go away. And get... All right, Lord, I thought this this morning. If this is you, hopefully, get involved, get connected, start serving. Help this man carry out the vision he's given for River of Life here. Because this is a man of God. He's the real deal. Thank you for letting me share my testimony with you. God bless you.
1: Wow. Thank you, my brother. What an amazing testimony. Is there anybody here who does not know what square grouper is? (laughs) And I kept thinking, the reason he's saying that is the uh, statute of limitations uh, run out on, he can't hear me. And so it's drugs, by the way, Marijuana. marijuana, square grouper is marijuana bales of marijuana. Okay. All right. Thank you for clarifying that. (laughs) Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus name, thank you for this day. Thank you for this testimony. Thank you that you're an awesome God. Thank you that you can have mercy on whom you will have mercy and you can show grace to whom you will show grace. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for this testimony. Thank you that you're still up to the kind of stuff that you did when you saved Steve Rogers and all of us. And Father, I pray now that you'll bless my words, that you'll anoint them, that the spirit will draw and touch hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 For a while now, I've been talking to you about receiving mercy. You remember we began... This uh, study with Exodus 33:19, where God says to Moses, "I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy." God was declaring to Moses his sovereignty. He was saying, "Moses, I'm a sovereign God, and I can show mercy on whom I will show mercy." Uh, and and be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And when God's gracious, that's grace. So this is all about grace and mercy. God declares very early in the Bible that he's a God of grace and mercy. And in fact, the testimony we've just heard testifies to the fact that God can do whatever he chooses to do. He is God. Now, the question that we've been addressing And each one of these messages is this, is there anything you can do? Is there anything I can do? Is there anything we can do as a church that would cause a sovereign God to want to give us mercy, to want to be gracious to us? And the answer to that question is yes, absolutely, positively, yes. And and I wanna go all the way back to my first message just to say this, and that is it begins with Jesus. You start with Jesus, you stay with Jesus, you finish with Jesus. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through me. Leave Jesus out of the equation and you're in deep trouble. So So that's where we start. But having said that, all through the Bible, We are given these hints, these secrets, uh, these teachings, instructions on what gets God's attention. The Bible tells us all through the Bible what God likes. The Bible is very clear about what gets God's attention, what he's looking for, what he expects out of us, how to get his attention, the things, even the small little things that we need to do. If we want God's presence, power, and mercy. Now, remember now you began with Jesus, but I want to share with you some things that you need to think about today that we need. I want to give you three things that we desperately need if we want God's attention. The first one is loyalty. God wants us to be loyal to him. He he wants us, some translations say committed to him. You remember we addressed this early on in 2 Chronicles. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth that he might show himself mighty and strong to those who have a loyal heart. God's looking for loyalty. God, God loves loyalty. People who are committed to him. People who wouldn't cheat on him if they had an opportunity. People who stay the course. People who, who love the Lord, their God, and they're in love with him, and they're not going after the world. That's what you call loyalty. The second thing is this. God loves faith. In the New Testament, we read in the book of Hebrews where it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Can't please him. There's nothing on earth you can do that will please God apart from faith. If it's not a faith, it's sin. One passage of scripture says, Uh, God wants us to exercise faith, to put our faith in his faithfulness. That's what God wants. And we we have to exercise that faith. These are are little things, but you need to remember that, that God wants loyalty, wants faith. Let me just give you one more right now. God loves humility. God, God loves it when we humble ourselves before him. In the book of 1 Peter, we read these words, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let me tell you, loyalty, faith, humility, those are things that catch the eye of almighty God. And I got to tell you, I am so thankful to be the pastor of this church. I am. I want to say some things and then I'm going to give you a caution here in just a moment. Of all the churches I've ever pastored, I've never seen what I've seen in this church. The loyalty in this church, how committed and loyal some of you are, most of you are, is just absolutely amazing. And and your faith, I, I, I tell you, I have members of the church that come up to me and say, man, this is what God's going to do. And this is what God's going to do. And we believe God's faithful and, and their faith is so far beyond mine. I'm, I'm amazed. Sometimes I feel like I'm trying to catch up. Oh, I applaud you for your loyalty. I, I rejoice in your faithfulness, your faith in a faithful God. And then humility. Have you ever been in a church like this one? Last Sunday, Pastor Coburn preached, and at the conclusion of his message, from that wall to that wall, the altar was completely filled, and people were bowing and praying and weeping and humbling themselves before God. And then on a regular basis, I'll invite the men of the church to come forward. And and the altar fills up, men bowing down three, four, five, six deep, back down the aisles, humbling themselves before God. So I was gonna tell you, I'm so proud of you. I'm not saying you're where you need to be. I'm not saying there isn't room for growth, but I am saying that the loyalty in this church, the faith in this church, the humility in this church is just amazing. I applaud you, I commend you, I rejoice with you. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, but don't let it go to your head. Because the moment you let it go to your head, you'll lose it. It just doesn't work that way. So God bless you. Let's stay the course. Let's do what God's called us to do. But I will tell you this morning. Without a doubt, there's somebody listening to me, perhaps here in this worship center. Perhaps on YouTube or Facebook. And you're saying right now. Pastor, if those are the things that get God's attention, I'm in trouble. I've been anything but loyal. Oh, I, I've not exercised faith and I haven't been humble before the Lord. Pastor, I'm in trouble. Pastor, that doesn't help me. Give me something that'll help me. If I'm not loyal, I haven't exercised faith and I haven't humbled myself before God. What do I do? Well, there's something else that God loves and it's a big one. It is huge. Here's something that God loves. God loves repentance. This is a strange thing, but all through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, God loves it when people repent of their sins. When when people come to grips with the fact that they have failed in loyalty, they failed in faith, they have failed in humility, and yet they repent. I'm telling you, it's all over the Bible. The promises that God gives to those who repent is absolutely amazing. One passage of Scripture says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When people start repenting, I'm telling you, you get God's eye. There's a passage in the Old Testament. Uh, It's found in the book of Ezekiel, and you can look it up. Now, I don't always tell you exactly where everything is because I want to leave you searching for it. But if you can't find it, call me. I'll tell you where it is. But God says if there's a wicked man, and he's been living a wicked life, and he's been doing wicked things. And he's been rebelling. And his whole life is characterized by wickedness. Here's what the Bible says. That if that man repents, if that man turns from his sins, if that man turns to God, like a Steve Rogers, if he'll turn. Th- this is what the Bible says. This is a quote right out of the Bible. All their past sins will be, say it. Is that good news or what? Wow. All their past sins will be forgotten. That's out of the Old Testament. Let me give you one out of the New Testament. We'll actually read this scripture. Uh, Revelation 2, 20 through 22, there was a church by the name of Thyatira. Jesus is addressing that church. and, And Jesus says to this church, he tells him what he has against them. Listen to this. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel. Now, uh, the theologians are not sure if her name was actually Jezebel or not, or if Jesus was just putting the label Jezebel on her after uh, the wicked and immoral Queen Jezebel of the Old Testament, but Jesus calls her because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. So she was in the church. She claimed to be a prophet, a prophetess. And then listen to this, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Now you think the church is messed up today? You think there's some bad teaching and bad theology today? I'm telling you, this is one of those early churches. There was a woman that Jesus called Jezebel. She calls herself a prophetess. That means she she claims to be above. She's a teacher. And she's teaching the men and women of that church to join her in sexual immorality. This is bad stuff, isn't it? Almost too much to believe. Can I just tell you that God's pretty extreme when he says, I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I'll show mercy to whom I'll show mercy. He's pretty extreme in that category. Now notice this, verse 21, Jesus said, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. You see, when, when people make huge, major mistakes, God doesn't just write them off. Now, there's a time God will give you time to repent. God doesn't just throw you away. God doesn't just pass judgment right then and there. Now, there will come a time when he'll do that. But God said, I gave her time to repent. And then notice this. And she did not repent. Well, those are some of the saddest words in the Bible. And then verse 22 says, Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her... Now the focus has gone from her to those who fall, have fallen under her teaching, been deceived by her teaching. And he says, Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her in great tribulation... Read it with me. Unless they repent of their deeds. I'm telling you, repentance will get God's attention. If God gives you time to repent, you need to repent. I mean, we all need to repent, but I'm just telling you, if you're tied up in something, involved in something, held captive by something, It is not God's desire to pass judgment on you. It is his desire for you to repent and be delivered. The passage in the Old Testament where the Lord said, none of their sins will be remembered. They will all be forgotten. God even asked a question. Do you think I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? None. I don't take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they repent and turn to me and find salvation. What does real repentance look like? I've been meditating on this for a while. I think most of what we call repentance is not repentance at all. It's just shallow. It's just, I'm sorry. It doesn't go deep enough to get to the root of the matter. It doesn't go high enough to touch the throne of grace. Where we find hope and help. And so, what does real repentance look like? Well, there's a prayer in the Bible that I think helps us to understand what true repentance is. And I'll tell you, I learned this about 40 years ago. I've prayed it a thousand times at least. And this is real repentance Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, talking to God now, against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you might be found just when you speak and blameless, when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Listen, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. Listen up now. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I'd give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. Would you bow with me in prayer? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed just you and the Lord for a moment. What have we heard today? Nobody is beyond the saving grace of Jesus. Nobody. We know that God loves loyalty, faith and humility, but we also know that when we come to him in true repentance, that God gives the worst of us. Can you imagine? Jezebel, God gives the worst of us time to repent. And then how do we repent? We repent by calling on the mercy of God, by acknowledging our sin. Even going so deep as to acknowledge our whole sinful condition. We were born in sin. The Bible says, whereas by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all for all of sin. We, we acknowledge our sinful condition and then we ask God to cleanse us, to wash us, to renew us, to restore us, to put a clean heart within us. One of the amazing things about David, that was from Psalm 51, by the way. One of the amazing things about David's prayer of repentance is he never promised God anything. He didn't make any pledges. He didn't make any commitments. He knew that only God could do the redeeming work that needed to be done in his life, the restoring work. He was asking God to cleanse him and wash him. And then he knew there was no sacrifice. There was no gift. There was no work. There was nothing he could do that would ever get him right with God. He knew that the only thing that God would look at, that God would accept was a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Father bless us today. Thank you for those who are loyal, faithful, full of faith, humble, Help each one of us to stay there, Lord. But Lord, if there are those in the building today, even if it's the smallest little thing, even if it's something that somebody else might not think a thing about, but the smallest little thing, may we come to you in repentance. May we ask for your forgiveness, your cleansing. Lord, I pray that as we give this invitation, that true, deep, genuine, life-changing repentance will cover this whole congregation and a sense of holiness and renewal will touch our lives in a new and fresh way. We ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake.
0: Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrofferville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrofferville.com for more information and directions.